Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. So good. Fantastic to be in the house, isn't it? Great to be here. And uh, I, I had the privilege of attending Connor and Abby's wedding ceremony yesterday. So those who may not know, it's Stephen Nicole's uh, middle son. And he got married yesterday to our lovely young lady, Abby. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. Really lovely. And, and it got me thinking about how much thought and preparation and planning would have gone into this special occasion. Weddings wouldn't just happen like that. It's a, a, a process that takes place and unfolds over a period of months heading towards the big day so that on the day, on the special wedding day, uh, everything would run smoothly and the guests all have a marvellous time. And I'm sure that they did, didn't they, guys? So, you know, there's a lot of thought that goes into these things. It doesn't just happen and uh, it unfolds. And there was a particular wedding in the Bible we read about where something incredible unfolded as the guests enjoyed a wedding feast celebration. And so let's turn to John chapter two, starting at verse one. If you've got your Bibles with you or your devices, feel free to, to turn to those. It will be coming up on the screen as well. John chapter two, verse one. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So this was Jesus' first public miracle. And as we read these verses, we can see that this miracle was a time of joy and power. Why joy? Well, the miracle was sent against a backdrop of a wedding feast. And like Connor and Abby's wedding yesterday, weddings are a time of celebration, a time of joy. And Jesus gives us a picture here that a personal relationship with him brings everlasting joy. He is the best wine you'll ever have. Why power? Jesus demonstrated his power by turning six stone jars of water into the best wine of which there was an abundance, an overflow. And by doing so, Jesus revealed his glory publicly. He is the Son of God to whom all authority and power has been given. Amen. Jesus brought joy and he showed power. So this is about much more than water turning into wine, right? This momentary miracle in a small village in Cana pointed to an even greater unfolding miracle for the whole world. One that transformed history, one that has shaped lives across generation to generation, all the way to us here today in 2022. 
I'm talking about the unfolding miracle of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so salvation is asking Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour. It's a decision, a declaration to follow Jesus, to adopt his ways of living in accordance with the Bible, his word. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we can go to church for years and do all the church things, but we may not have actually ever made a personal declaration. We might not have ever said a prayer to confess our faith in who Jesus is, asking him to come into our life as Lord and Saviour. You know, we can come to church, but not actually have really made that personal decision. The only way to heaven, to eternal life, is by asking Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour. We can't get there any other way. Despite what the world says, the world says there are many ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so salvation really is an extraordinary gift, which we don't deserve because of our sin. And yet through Jesus' death on the cross, salvation is offered to all humanity for us to freely receive. Can you think of anything more miraculous than salvation. But it's not only that salvation is a miracle, although it is. It's this reality that it's actually an unfolding miracle in our lives. Why am I referring to salvation as an unfolding miracle? Because our salvation unfolds in stages, kind of like this miracle did in John chapter 2. We see that Jesus enlisted the help of the servants nearby. He instructed them to fill six stone jars with water. So these jars, as as it says, could hold 20 to 30 gallons. That's about 75 to 115 litres. So can you imagine uh, those servants filling these jars to the brim would have been a challenging task, requiring a number of trips back and forth to the well. Jesus could have miraculously filled those jars himself. But this miracle had a process. The need was presented to Jesus, no one. Help was sought by Jesus through the servants. Instructions were carried out. Fill these jars, take it to the master of the banquet. The need was met, water becomes wine, the guests are satisfied. Jesus is revealed as the Son of God. And so there were stages to this miracle. And it's really the same with our salvation. When we choose to put our faith in Jesus, when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour, and we receive his forgiveness for our sins, we experience the miracle that is salvation. This is water to wine. Uh, you know, it's, it's that death, uh, death to life, you know, brokenness to wholeness. And it's, it's not just that, it's that we grow, as we grow to know Jesus, as we come to understand him more and more, you know, who we are in Jesus and, and who we are not too, we, we slowly become more like Jesus. And that, that's a lifelong process, the unfolding miracle of salvation. In fact, we can really break it down, uh, salvation that is, into three key stages. And so the first here is we have justification. Justification. So from the moment we ask Jesus into our heart as Lord and Saviour, we are justified. 
our sins, past, present and future, are forgiven and we have the assurance of eternal life. Justification is something being made right. So when we're saved from that moment on, we are declared the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ on the basis of our faith. I wonder when the last time was that you actually said that to yourself. I am the righteousness of God in Christ on the basis of my faith. I wonder how our days would look. You know, our perception of self, others, God, yeah. our, what our workplaces would look like if we actually were to declare that scripture over ourselves every day. We are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ on the basis of our faith. Yeah. We're justified. Amen. Yeah. And so once we're saved and we're justified, the miracle continues to unfold in that wonderful work, word called sanctification, uh, where all of us as believers find ourselves today. Sanctification. So while justification is this one-time work of God through Jesus' work on the cross, uh, sanctification is about us becoming more like Jesus. While our sins have been forgiven and we've been justified and declared righteous, every day we're surrounded by the pool of sins and temptations. We live in this physical body, experiencing the battle between our spirit, which is alive in Christ, but our body, our, our fallen human condition, which is dead in sin. Praise God, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is able to help us, as we Paul describes it as, to work out our salvation. Yeah. You know, it doesn't just happen like that. The moment of salvation, yes, does. We are, we've gone from death to life. That is a moment. But then there is this unfolding miracle that occurs through sanctification. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Can everyone just turn to the person next to you and say, there's more. There's more. Amen. Isn't that great? Glorification. That just sounds like a great word, doesn't it? Glorification. Seriously, though, a great word. Uh, the miracle of salvation extends beyond this earthly life. So actually, there's more to come. We haven't seen the completion yet of our salvation. It's a time when we're going to be with Jesus. It's a time when we'll be in heaven. We'll be like Jesus, given a new body. Philippians 3, 20 to 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. Even that, you can do a whole preach on that. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Wow. Something to look forward to, right? Yes. Yeah, so There's a table coming up on the screen now and it really covers the stages of salvation that I've talked about in greater depth. If you want this, just let me know. It's been a really helpful table as I've been preparing this message. Uh, but I want to highlight one particular aspect because when I saw it, uh, it really stood out to me. So we see with justification, and a couple of rows there, we see justification, we are saved from the penalty or the punishment of sin. With sanctification, we are being saved from the power of sin. And with glorification, we will be saved from the presence of sin. That's the glorious unfolding miracle of salvation through Jesus Christ. Free from the penalty and the power of sin. One day free from the presence of sin. And this can only occur by the grace of God through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we can't earn this. It, it's something that's given through Jesus freely, freely offered. And we can receive it. Knowing this, my, my question for all of us here today is, 
how often do we wait for a miracle? You know, we, you know, I'm waiting for this to happen, I'm praying about this, and I'm declaring this miracle, not that there's anything wrong with that, but how often is it that we wait for a miracle, yet we neglect to acknowledge, to enjoy, to soak, to lean into the unfolding miracle that salvation is already outworking in our lives? Yeah. Because we're living right now, whether we've been a Christian five months, five years, five decades, we're living in the very miracle of salvation. You are a living miracle. Because you've been found alive in Christ. There's nothing better than that. And so salvation is not meant to be a one-moment thing. It's a lifetime miracle. God's desire is for salvation to continually unfold His plans and purposes in us. Not only for our benefit, but for the benefit of others who are yet to receive the salvation. So what comes into our life? As these stages progress, as the miracle work of salvation unfolds, what does God want to produce in our lives? Everlasting joy and everlasting power. Yeah. Everlasting joy. Let's have a, have a look through this. So David prayed, I love this prayer from the Psalms. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Another translation of the same verse is, let my passion for life be restored. Tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Yeah. So joy is the assurance of who God is. Amen. It's not based on external circumstance like happiness is. Yeah. Happiness fades. Yeah. Joy doesn't because it's from Christ. So it's a kingdom mindset. It's a gift we receive yeah. through salvation. Yeah. So good. David wrote Psalm 51 after he was confronted by the prophet Nathan about his adultery with Bathsheba. So if you think about the context of that and then you think about that verse again... It's powerful. <laughs> and so if you read through the whole psalm, which I encourage you to do in your own time this week, it's got a very confessional tone because David's facing the reality of his sin. But once he's acknowledged his sin, he's able to express that confidence in God's capacity to forgive, his mercy, his cleansing. And once David receives God's forgiveness, he desires again the joy of his salvation and a renewed heart to serve as Lord. David is thankful. And so whether it's our sin or the circumstances we find ourselves in, at times we can all lose our joy, can't we? Yeah. Yeah. Or if we continue to willfully engage in behaviour that we know is less than God's best for us, sinful behaviour, joy is going to be difficult for us to, yeah. to grab a hold of. But the unfolding miracle that salvation is working out in us is able to remind us again of God's promise to forgive, uh, to restore and to renew as we bring to him our sin. Yeah. Our pain, those situations that we can't make sense of and the circumstances that might threaten to overwhelm us. And if we come to Jesus, if we come to him with that, it, joy increases in our life. We receive that, that everlasting joy. You know, it's like the more I get to know Jesus, the more I uncover who I am and who I'm not. And that joy increases in my life. I'm more uh, excited about God and my faith now than I was a year ago, than I was five years ago. Why? Because I continue to see that unfolding miracle outworking. I'm not saying it's this too big. It might be the smallest of things happening, but I've got it. I know deep down in my soul that as, as the more I get to closer to Jesus, that there's got to be stuff happening, even if I can't always see it, because He wants to. He's doing a refining work, a sanctifying work in me, and He wants to do that for you. 
you as well. I really sense God wants to increase our joy today. He wants to remind us it's everlasting. It's continually unfolding through our salvation. Happiness has an end. It's a temporary feeling. But joy will never end because it's from Christ. And so we will always have access and experience joy through Jesus. Through the unfolding miracle of salvation, God also wants to produce everlasting power. Can you turn to your friend and say everlasting power? Let's put the power on that power. That sound good. Just kidding. That's not better. So when we are saved, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, Sandra. Amen. The Holy Spirit is God's presence filling our lives, yes. teaching and guiding us to God's truth. Convicting us of sin even when we don't want to hear it. (laughs) Revealing wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit is our helper and our comforter. Helping us to line up with God's will when we feel weak and don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit is a source of everlasting power in addition to all those things. Amen. And Jesus commissioned his disciples in Acts 1.8 before his ascension to heaven. With these words, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus knew that his disciples and us today would need supernatural power to carry out the mission to be a witness of his salvation to the world. And certainly, through the unfolding miracle of salvation, the Holy Spirit wants to work in and through us with everlasting power, enabling us to fulfill our call, both as in our individual lives, with our unique personality and our unique spiritual gifts, because they're all been wired differently, and within the corporate context of the Christian church, you know, the body, all of you here, us working together for Jesus to bring his name uh, to where it should be at the top, at the top is the highest honour. And so I'm really grateful uh, for my faith background, uh, for the church I grew up in and was part of for almost 25 years before coming to C3. It has profoundly and wonderfully shaped me as a Christian I am today. And I'm so grateful. I just want to take a moment again just to honour my family, my parents, my grandparents. You know, you don't, I think as you do get older, you do start to see and recognise and understand at a deeper level. And I'm sure I will one day when I'm a parent as well. There's many, much for me to learn. But I do really appreciate so much that one of the things, and I want to say, I'm saying this for the parents' benefit, you know, uh, mum and dad in the house every Sunday, you know, and, and as an adult, I've just, how much I went, oh, thank you, God, that they did that because because yeah. it, it made me realise the importance. When you put God first yeah. in your life, there is blessing. Yeah. And there is so much to be found uh, in your relationship with God. And it it just kind of almost, not fast tracks, but it does because you're in community and you're sort of, you're surrounded by people who can look after you and care for you. So parents, there is power uh, in being in church, being in community. And I just want to say thank you to my parents and my grandparents for setting that example for me. But I'm also thankful that the love of God through Jesus has brought me into new areas of freedom and spiritual formation as my salvation continues to unfold and this has deepened my personal relationship with Jesus and it's increased my passion and my desire to follow him you see even though I was saved at a young age uh, everlasting power was something that was probably largely missing from my faith for a long time 
yes, I received the Holy Spirit through salvation, but my Christian experience growing up was more conservative in the moving of the Holy Spirit. So I was aware of the Holy Spirit being present, but you could say I wasn't really accessing the Holy Spirit or uh, in that deeper sort of I'm moving in the Holy Spirit way uh, and letting him really be present in my life throughout the day. And so I, I wasn't really, I guess, moving in that everlasting power and hadn't really had that deep revelation on that. And so I felt that there was something missing. I began to sense this as a young adult. And then he led me into a new season. I ended up at C3 Hepburn Heights uh, and I was water baptized. Pastor Nicole actually water baptized me. This was like all before I knew about QB. And anyway, God's amazing. He, I always say one of my biggest things in life is God is invested in the details of our lives. Yeah. But not only that, I found out when I met Nicole that later on that Nicole's mom and my grandma were prayer partners. So, you know, God is in the details of our life. Crazy, crazy stuff. But he knows, doesn't he? So I was water baptized, received the gift of tongues. And the, the biggest thing was that God revealed to me that I can live an empowered life. I can live an empowered life. So that really launched me onto this path of experiencing the Holy Spirit as an intimate and close companion who walks with me throughout my day and into the situations I'm faced with, who gives me words to speak to people who are broken and hurting, who has brought to light spiritual giftings that lay dormant, uh, waiting for that Holy Spirit breath to kind of awaken them. And so I can now confidently claim that Acts 1.8, I've received everlasting power, paraphrasing, I've received everlasting power by the Holy Spirit to be who he's called me to be and do what he's called me to do. And I'm saying that, yes, it's a testimony, but this is for you as well. So we can all live an empowered life through the Holy Spirit. The unfolding miracle of salvation fills us with everlasting power through the Holy Spirit. So we can, as empowered people, because that's what we are in yeah. Jesus, we can stand strong in the midst of you know, battle, yes. in the midst of trial. We don't walk alone. We don't lack anything. Okay. Z read that to us at the start. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want, which is messes with our head because our culture is all about, you know, you've got to have this, this, and this to be satisfied. Yeah. But if you came to Jesus... If we were to come to Jesus, we would be truly satisfied because only He can actually supply all the things that we really need in life. I shall not want, I lack nothing. There'll never be a moment in our lives when everything is going exactly the way we wanted it to go. I know, is that a newsflash for some people? No, it's true though. There'll never be a moment when everything is going perfectly. But if nothing else, salvation is enough to bring joy and power into our lives, no matter what's happening around us. Can I have the keys up, please? So what do we do with all this? What do we do with all of this information? How can we take a hold of the unfolding miracle of our salvation in a way that brings us to a deeper place of surrender and transformation in our relationship with Jesus? Well, here's a few thoughts as I wrap up. I recently have uh, started a process, a practice of two minutes silence and stillness at the beginning and end of my quiet time with God. And uh, silence is a, a practice through which we receive His love and we surrender to uh, our will to His and we open ourselves to hear God speak. And part of that I've been choosing a phrase uh, to say, uh, because it is what I've discovered is how distracted we really are <laughs> when we actually quiet our mind. I think I managed the other day 30 seconds and I was thinking about chicken parmi or something like that. Um, not even kidding. <laughs> So it is hard, hey? What was that? Yeah, no, you are. You're thinking about chicken parmesan, aren't you? No, you're thinking about Jesus. 
slow down to actually hear God speak uh, more. And God just wants us to be with him. <laughs> he wants us not to be doing so much as being with him. Yeah, yeah. To lean into the work that he's doing in us, that unfolding miracle of our salvation. And so if that stirs something in you, perhaps God is going to lead you to, to implement that into your quiet time, silence and stillness before him, uh, allowing him to speak to you. I really said some of, uh, some of you here today need to be declaring Psalm 51, 12 of your lives. I sense that some of you have maybe lost that joy. And it could be a lot of things. Uh, and some of it might be due to significant hurt or pain. But God's calling us to reignite that flame and to, to come to him and say, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Maybe you've seen a fresh impartation of everlasting joy, everlasting power. Come to Jesus. Some of us, I believe, uh, some of you, Psalm 51, uh, 12, some of you, I think it's Acts 1, 8. You need to be speaking out over your life that you have received the Holy Spirit, that you can live an empowered life. And lastly, as I alluded to earlier, we're part of a community. Salvation is worked out in community. You know, Jesus involved others in his ministry. As we saw, he anointed his disciples to carry on this work within the context of the church. And, you know, we can't do this alone. Yeah, we need each other. We need each other's gifts. We need each other, uh, each other's different personalities. I need you to sharpen me and vice versa. What would my faith be if it wasn't for all of you? Be pretty isolated and lonely if you ask me. But through community, uh, oh man, it, it just really lights a fire for our faith that actually can help sustain us in our walk with God. And so maybe you've been a bit disconnected from community. Perhaps you want to intentionally commit to being in community. Linking this could be linking into a connect group, 7 p.m. Wednesday, Butler. Not that it's a competition at all, is it, Steve? But, uh, oh, sorry, 7.30, that's right. Absolutely. It's not a competition. No, no, 7 p.m. No, just kidding. But really, you know, maybe that's for some of you needing to really connect in to our connect group and be part of that intimate fellowship with one another where we can pray and really seek God together. And it's just a wonderful way to connect and, and be accountable too. Make your choice to be in church every Sunday. Alluded to that as well. Could be joining us for our corporate U version devotional. Yes. It has been awesome, hasn't it? And so I just want to invite everyone to just stand where you are. And I'd love for you to feel comfortable, close your eyes and just hold out your hands. Jesus wants to bring restoration. He wants to revitalize and refresh your spirit. He wants to remind you of the significance and the miraculous power of salvation. And I had a really clear image during the week and, and also again today. Oh, he hit me with it so hard, God. Sometimes he does that. And I saw Jesus standing in the middle of somewhere. <laughs> and there were all he was standing there, he, arms open. It's like, come to me. He's beckoning people, come to me, come to me. And there were all these people everywhere. And, and they were coming towards him, but instead of coming to him, they went in every other direction. I saw them running in all other directions, away from Jesus. And Jesus is looking and it's like, no, where are you going? Come to me. Stop going over there. That's, not, that's, that's a really bad detour. That is not going to get you to where you want to be. And I even saw... 
it was hard to see, but I even saw Jesus kind of, I could see grief on him as he watched people go by. And I just want to share that with you because I really believe today I see us not, I see us running towards Jesus and running into his arms and not running in every other direction, but coming to him because the everlasting joy and the everlasting power that you need today, it's not going to come from the world. It's not going to come from your relationships. It's not going to come from your status, your bank account. It's coming from Jesus. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. But not only that, he's going to give us joy and power. So right now, let's run to Jesus. Imagine it in your mind, running to the arms of Jesus. Allow him to just wrap you up. And he's giving you that joy and power. For some of you, it's just, it's receiving it. It's like, okay, but I don't know if I really deserve this. You know, what have I done? Well, that's the beautiful thing about salvation is it's freely offered and, and all that we inherit through that is then freely offered. Forgiveness and <laughs> healing and joy and power. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Jesus just wants you to take a hold of it. So take a hold of it today. Lord, I declare right now in every heart that they would be receiving afresh right now all that you have for them. That joy and that power is theirs in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that the devil
you're worthy of praise. Jesus, we just thank you so much. We thank you that you meet with us. No matter what, you're always here. And I just thank you that as we leave from this place today, that we would be assured of our salvation. And if there's anything where there's a stir for us, I'm not actually sure. I pray that we would reach out to someone and speak to them and give their wife counsel and support. And so, Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honour because you truly are worthy. And where would we be without you? Not in a good way, I don't think. So we thank you for the unfolding miracle of our salvation and that we are works in progress and that by your Holy Spirit, you're helping us to work it out in our lives. We give you praise and glory. We thank you that this week is different because we're going to come to you instead of running to everything else to help us to do that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.